You're listening to episode 39 of the Thunder Underground podcast. My name is Trent and I am joined by Jason. Hey, hey, how you doing? Doing good. Well, somewhat good. We ended the beginning of last week's episode saying hopefully we're not here next week talking about someone else like we have the last several episodes and here we are talking about Jimmy Bain. We lost another one. Yeah, and it's just kind of kind of eerie and odd that it's the same same age group everybody's been 67 69 and here's jimmy bain at 68 yeah still too young for someone to go and it's just a shame that we have to keep doing this and we mentioned that on the last episode that you know mike portnoy wrote that letter that this is something that's going to become all too common because all these guys from the 60s and 70s era are starting to get up there in that age we're going to start losing them. So, and look what's yeah. happening. You know, yeah. Jimmy Bain, a longtime Do bass player, uh, Rainbow, <clears throat> Rainbow. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, lost another one. Like I just said, um, uh, the gods do not like 2016. <laughs> so, this just uh, or the gods want these guys to come play in their house. Yeah, band, yeah, yeah. According saw, to John Crabby. <laughs> yeah, I saw that earlier. Yeah, quit quit taking. Uh, with taking all these guys for your house band. Um, so, you know, it's just, uh, what do you say? What can you say? I mean, was he, he was, he was in last in line right now, right? As a, you know, he was as a present, I guess. Yeah, they were on the. Was he on the boat? Yeah. Really? Yeah, his last performance. Jesus. His last performance was the, uh, <clears throat> the, they were the first band, I think, to play on the boat, like the kickoff performance uh-huh. and then you know i think he apparently died in his sleep like part way through the boat and they were supposed to play again and in a theater and then they turned that performance time into basically a memorial service which was led by eddie trunk and then i guess the other three members there vivian campbell mm-hmm. Vinny apice and i can't remember the singer's name that's crazy yeah. so i mean what what do you do when that happens on a boat like that? That's just weird. And, you know, they, I don't know. That's just, that's a terrible thing. Terrible I guess that thing to happen. Yeah, I don't know if they were able to, if you flight someone out or what you do. I mean, because that boat was kind of, I don't know if you've read about it, it was kind of a disaster the whole way through. Really? Like, they never made it to a, a port at all. Like, because there was crazy storms. They had to go back and dock in Miami. Then Def Leppard never performed because Joe Elliott got laryngitis. I did not. I did not even read any of this. Yeah. So just like the whole thing was just a nightmare. And then I know a couple people wow. that were that were on the boat, and they said that the as far as cruises they've been on, it was just horrible, and the staff was just bad. <laughs> it just seemed like this complete nightmare. Wow. And this is Def Leppard's first ever go at this whole cruise thing. So hopefully, you know. They might not hopefully do they, another one. Hopefully they try it again and get it back on track. But yeah. that's not really the, the whole point of this. The whole point is Jimmy Bain, if you're not familiar with this guy, he's a powerhouse. You know, He was on some of the greatest tracks in hard rock metal history when you think of like Last in Line, Holy Diver, Rainbow in the Dark, yep. Don't Talk to Strangers. You know, all that early Dio stuff is just badass. And all that stuff in Rainbow with Richard Blackmore. And that's him. Yeah. And yeah. whenever I think of him, another thing that jumps out of my head was, remember, was it last year, the year before, two years ago, 
they put out the the Dio tribute album, and he he was on the track with Oni Logan, I. Oh, okay. Which is one of my favorite tracks on there. Yeah. It's just a just a badass under underrated Dio song, and you know it just kind of jumped out at me as something that when anytime I've seen his name over the last couple of years, that's the first thing I think of for some reason. Yeah. That's where you made a, a connection. That's cool. But yeah, let's say this once again. Hopefully next week we're not talking about someone new and you know. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. It's crazy that this is happening. I think it's got to start uh, tapering off and it's terrible to even say this has got to start tapering off. So, um, I don't know. It's just... Uh, it's it's another sad loss for the rock world. Definitely. Well, let's get into this episode 39 right now. going to kick this episode off with a track from a band called Dirty Crush out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Dirty Crush has a an EP out called Seven. And this is, I believe, the first track on the album, right? Yeah, it sure is. Well, the first track's an intro track with the first full song, and it's called Envy. <laughs> you 
once again that was Envy from Dirty Crush off their EP called Seven and it is called Seven because it each song references one of the seven deadly sins and of course that one being Envy that's just a, a great melodic track you know the vocals are real they have a real throwback vibe to them of the you know the classic melodic sound of the 80s and early 90s and but it doesn't sound dated and even the you know the guitar works the same way it has a modern sound but it also has that classic feel to it and i really dug it yeah i really uh this is a great track to uh start your your album off with by the way um and you know it's just got this uh classic feel but then it it brings you up to a a modern chorus that that you can remember and that sticks with you uh just powerful vocals uh, delivered just great um <clears throat> and uh that's the cool thing about this album is you know the each there's so many vibes going on i there's actually a review up on our site that i did a while back of this album you can read all that but uh you know these guys are masters of a few different genres and they can just they can switch to metal to hard rock they can get funky uh, it's just uh, the whole the whole album is a treat, and this this is just a great track to kick it off with. Just punches you right in the face and just has a great gallop. And uh, I'm really glad we got to play it for everybody today. Yeah, and that's a that's a cool concept, you know, basing you know making a concept album, especially for a an independent band like this. You don't see that a lot. And ballsy, yeah. And they they pulled it off, and it like you said, each you know it's got different styles, and it's great. And just check it out; you can find them online. Dirty Crush, they've got this EP for sale. I believe it's actually their second album, and all the tracks are great. Like Jason said, find the review on our site, which is thethunderunderground.com, and it's under independent reviews. And also, they played Rocklahoma last year, and I believe. They're still taking submissions right now through this week for the access stage for 2016. So if you're a fan of Dirty Crush and like what you heard, shoot access an email and say, hey, we want these guys back. Yeah, it'd be great to see them back. Yeah, we'd love to see them again. So before we get into a couple of things, I saw something earlier today, just a bit ago, I wanted to throw at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, several episodes ago, maybe a month or two ago. I brought up the fact that there's all these little things happening about Sammy and Van Halen that could lead you to believe there might be a reunion. Yeah. And, you know, these are these are two, you know, two camps that have thrown some heavy insults at each other in the past many years. Yeah. And, you know, they've both been quiet on it. But like we said, there was those little little things that happened that, that lead you to believe this is possibility. And then earlier, I don't know, was it today or yesterday that's Eddie Van Halen's birthday? Today, because like, it was all over the place. Okay. And <clears throat> Sammy Hagar tweeted and said, Happy birthday, Eddie Van Halen. I hope you're doing good. Hashtag 5150 time. Hashtag best of both worlds. And really? Then he put a picture of them two together from the 5150 era. And then Eddie actually responded and said, Thank you. I hope you're doing good, too. Wow. <laughs> Which, you know, sounds like nothing, but for Eddie Van Halen to respond and say, yeah. thank you, I hope you're doing good too, that's pretty huge. Well, where was it? I, uh, God, I can't remember. I, I don't know if I heard it on a podcast or read it, but 
recently, you know, there's pictures seen of Michael Anthony sitting on a VH case or road case. Right. You know, and that, that was what people, that was a clue that, and I guess Michael Anthony came out and said there's no. Yeah, he claimed that he just has all this stuff yeah. and it's sitting in his warehouse and that's just where it sits. But there was the uh, the other, you know, things that happened were the Van Halen official website started selling Michael Anthony merchandise and photos really? again, you know, this like in December. Yeah. And they weren't, you know, all of his stuff had been wiped out once he was out of the band. Interesting. And but they had specific things like <clears throat> 8x10s and then some other Ant- Michael Anthony stuff. So did Dave go back to Japan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I did. I don't know. He might have. You never know. I don't know. Who but knows? see, you know, there's also the you know the thing that's supposed to happen sometime this year with his original band. That's so right. they're both freed up. And of course, there was that photo like a month ago of Eddie's 5150 guitar getting worked on. So I mean, I believe. I personally believe this is going to happen. You know? Really? That's just my gut feeling. See, I, I know so I, many people just say this won't happen because of such bad blood, but I think we're going to see Van Hagar, if not this year, <clears throat> next year. Uh, you know, and I think we've even talked about this. Yeah. There's no, there's no real, there's no real swell going on with this because I think it's still just so, staying under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's so jazzed about Guns and Roses and whatever, you know. Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of. I think the GNR thing just kind of took off. That this is just kind of staying right there under the radar. Yep. And Skid Row even jumped a little up. So this just kind of keeps this right <laughs> here until all of a sudden when they announce it, everybody's going to be like, what the hell? Yeah. But I'll just be like, I told you, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> you can be over here. I told you so. You didn't listen to me. Right. Well, we'll see. We'll see uh, how this develops in the next year or so. I hope over it happens. the coming year. Right. I hope it happens personally. That's well, I know. That would be amazing. Uh, Van Halen would have a worthy singer again (laughs) i said it i don't care well a few days ago we had the opportunity to see trivium live yes we did and god damn it that was fun yes yeah that's the first time we've got to see him do a headline set we've seen him i think i've seen him three times before that like we mentioned last week all festival and opening slots yeah yeah so it was awesome to see him do a full-on headline set they covered pretty much their their full career. They sure did. You know, like at least hit almost every album, if not every album. You know, and my favorite album of them still stands is Ascendancy, you know, because that's the first thing I got into. And I just, I love everything for the most part, but that one, you know, sticks with me. And they played at least three songs off that, so I was happy. Yeah. And what, yeah. I mean, it, they just put on an amazing performance and just in your face and, they had the crowd going. Oh man, it, it it was such a you know, even even just the minute we got in there and and uh, <clears throat> less than human was still playing, and it was just a sold out crowd and there was just you know those guys sounded great and there's just like this swell going on. There's a, a great vibe, and uh, you know you don't like this was the fucking place to be in town. You don't you don't get that with every single show you go to, right? But but this one there was that vibe. It was a weekend, a Saturday night, sold out show. Everyone was having fun. Trivium hit the stage and just they tore it up. They just slayed everything. Like you said, their set list was perfect. I think it 
it, it did such a great job of, of, like you said, covering their career. Uh, I even got some, some, uh, some, a song from the Crusade, which I fucking love that album. I think that's their favorite album of mine. That, you know, that's my favorite album that they do. Uh, so it was, you know, they were on point with their, with their solos and the vocals. And I mean, you know, and even with, uh, a small club like that, they got in a, a pretty cool looking stage setup. I mean, it was just, uh, it, it was one for the ages. It's one you'll remember for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, like everything you mentioned, it had an old school vibe to it. You know, I guess maybe when I say old school, I think of old school to us, which is when you're younger, it just had that feel, like that excitement because it was sold out and there was so much uh, so much energy in there. And like you said, Less Than Human, you know, as a, as a local band and they just had the place going and everybody loved them and we loved them. Oh, definitely. I, so, I, I got a koozie. Yeah. So thanks, guys. Yes. And they're just... We missed a couple of the other bands, but we heard they were amazing as well. And just glad to be able to see Trivium in such a small club like that. And, you know, you always, I always love seeing bands that I really like in small places like this. But, and it's cool to see a band when there's not that many people there. But it also sucks because you know they're probably never coming back. Exactly. But this gives me the feeling that trivium will look at tulsa for sure next time they're you know putting dates together so, oh definitely just because of that show yeah and, and you know hope hopefully you know next time it could be in you know canes or something but i don't know it was pretty cool there so i don't know maybe they should just come back there again yeah you know the vanguard yeah well um speaking of bands we love lamb of god has a guitarist they do yes they're wow. not. They oh, originally that, they originally had three piece with bass, drums, vocals. <laughs> now they have a get no. Anyway, <laughs> their guitarist Mark Morton yes released a, a solo track. Yeah, and I don't even know really what. I guess he did it for fun and just to kind of put some feelers out there. There's no real title of the project. Right. It was just his name. Yeah. There's. It's just kind of an instrumental track. Uh, JP from Clutch plays drums on it. Uh, Snowbound. And, yeah, it's called Snowbound. You can pretty much just Google it. We found it on Blabbermouth. It's, uh, a, it's on SoundCloud, but yeah. it's hard to find unless you go to one of the news stories because I looked for it straight into SoundCloud and could not find it. Really? But I went to Blabbermouth and it was there right there. There you go. Well, what did you think <laughs> of the track? I was, you know, I just, like anyone, you think it's Mark Morton from Lamb of God. You're going to click play and it's just going to be some balls out riffs you yeah. know, or something. But it was, I clicked play and it was like blues and jazz yeah, yeah. and i was like Big what time. the hell and, but it was just so badass because it was just like just great bluesy riffs and then just like this funky kind of jazz thing with the drums and the bass and then you know when it kind of got there was mid parts where it got heavy but it wasn't like heavy metal heavy it was just heavy and i don't know i just i thought it was cool as hell Oh, yeah, it was a great track. I mean, for me, I definitely heard a little bit more of a jazz thing going on than blues. Um, but, uh, you know, he's an amazing guitar player. I think that that's one thing I would like to see more of in Lamb of God is his guitar solos, because not every song has a solo. Um, I've always been a, a fan of everything he does because it, it, it's flashy and it's bright, but it never 
you know, it's always it always fits the song, and that's really important. Um, always really liked Mark Morton, so this is a a great track for him to put out to really showcase what he can do. And uh, you know, it's just kind of a you know, I guess it's a demo, and it has that demo feel because it's raw. But I mean, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't do it over. Uh, I just like that off the cuff raw thing that vibe it's got going on. So I uh, I urge anybody out there that's listening, uh, go find this track and give it a listen. Uh, it's different, but uh, I think you'll like it. We're going to play you a track now from a band that we played a couple months ago, and we want to play them again because they're just badass. That's right. And they're out of Nebraska. They're called Through the Stone, and... They've got a, a album out. Well, actually, I guess it'd be considered an EP because I think there's like six full-length songs and then two or three, you know, kind of like minute-long interlude-type things. Okay. But it's, uh, we played the song Decisions, Decisions a couple months ago, and we want to play this song called Junkie for you right now. <laughs> Breathing in so deeply 
That was Junkie from Through the Stone out of Nebraska. You know, I, I probably should have went back and listened to what we said last time, so I'm not repeating myself, but hey, this might be the first time you're listening, so whatever. <laughs> this just, I, I love this thing, and if I had heard this earlier in the year, it probably would have made my top 15 list, is how much I love this album. Really? Yeah, it's just, it's just so strong the whole way through. Yeah. You know, every single song is just great. It's just so powerful in every aspect of the the music her vocals are just insanely powerful they're they're heavy they're i think you mentioned the last one just almost dark and scary at times yeah and yeah. just you know and the the music has that feel like you know that i love from like stoner rock but it doesn't necessarily sound like stoner rock and it's just groovy and it just has that fat you know sound that those kind of bands have just all the you know the, the drums the bass the guitar all the way through and not just this song junkie but you know i urge you to go listen to every single song there's all of them are great oh yeah i've, li- <laughs> I've listened to this album more than once and i tell you what uh, this track junkie it, it's dramatic uh, it, it's got different parts and different vibes going on all within the same song it really paints a picture. Her vocals are just, I mean, they're, they're, they're so just emotional and, and just spot on of, you really feel like this is what she's going through. And this is what, uh, you can just almost see it. Uh, and that doesn't happen all the time. And, uh, so this, this track was a pretty, pretty epic, pretty dramatic, uh, track and you know it, it, it grabbed me uh, from the get go so I, I hope that it does the same for everybody out there for sure yeah definitely go check these these guys out through the stone you can find them on Facebook you can find them on Reverb Nation you can find them on Spotify you can buy their music which I urge you to do 
support them. If you're in the Nebraska area, go check them out live. Hopefully we can see them on a national basis soon. I would love to be able to see this band live. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Maybe we can get them on the access stage next year at Rocklahoma 2017. Hell yes. Yeah. Speaking of Rocklahoma, Megadeth will be there, which we're amped about. We've seen them countless times. And but one... you, you can never see Megadeth enough. Yeah, because every time you see them, it's a different lineup. <laughs> Shit. No. That's right. That's not necessarily true, but kind of. It, it, well, it, is James Lomenzo there? I don't know. No. Okay. No, no we, we've, we've got the original guy back. Right. Well, Dystopia came out this past week. The new album from Megadeth. And it's the first album featuring the lineup, which now features Chris Adler from Lamb of God on drums. And I'm going to ask you to say the guitarist's name again because I keep forgetting how to say his last name. Kiko, uh, Kiko Lorero, I Lerero? think. Yeah, that's right. If I, if I mucked that one up, I apologize. Well, we've got an out, we've got a review up on our site that Jason wrote. Yes. It just went up. So go read that or just listen to what we're about to say, which is a review in itself. Even better, you could listen to us, then go read the review. Right. And share both of them. Yes. TheThunderUnderground.com <laughs> reviews. That's right. Well, Dystopia, the, we had Fatal Illusion and The Threat is Real out for a few weeks. You know, so those had kind of sunk in with me. And I really, you know, I love both those tracks. I really like The Threat is Real. But when I, so when I put on the album, it wasn't like, oh, hell yeah, because I'd already heard this song. You know, it was the first track on the album. But whenever the song Dystopia kicked in, I was... I don't know how to say this without sounding corny, but like a lot of times you hear stuff and it sounds like an earlier era of a band. Yes. But whenever I heard this, I felt like I was like transported back. Really? <laughs> to that feeling, you know, you heard when you first heard Countdown to Extinction or uh, Holy Wars Holy or, Wars something, or yeah. like, you know, Rust in Peace, any, any of that stuff, you know, not saying that. You know, he sounds exactly like Marty Friedman or anything, but it just had that same, you know, this, the guitar that, you know, in the early part of uh, Dystopia sounds like it could have been on Rust in Peace. Yeah, Easy, definitely. Easily. And then just that kind of set the tone, this whole album, to me, is like, it harkens back to like Rust in Peace and Countdown and Euthanasia where like every single song could stand on its own as like a classic Megadeth track. And you could, you could hear any of these songs live, every single song, just, you know, because when you think of, you know, Rest in Peace or Countdown Extinction, every single song on there, you know, stands out. Mm -hmm. There's not any filler. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. So it's just like, this to me is the exact same way. And I've loved tons of stuff that they've done, you know, since then. And I'm not saying this is the best thing since then, but I'm just saying it just kind of has that kind of feel to me where it just it's a a complete album from beginning to end and it kind of every song kind of like every style that Megadeth has went into is kind of um represented here yeah because when you get towards the end of the album the last three tracks have a lot of attitude to them mm -hmm. like uh the emperor and then the uh What's the song after the Emperor? A foreign policy. Yeah, foreign policy has a real punk kind of feel to it. Yeah, and it's just 
kind of reminds me of like, you know, when they were covering Anarchy in the UK and like 99 Ways to Die and just that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. But overall, I would give it an A+. You know, this is like, we're in January and this is my album of the year so far, but it's the only new album I've listened to, so that <laughs> doesn't really mean much. <laughs> but it's definitely a contender for like top five, I would think, unless we get some more amazing stuff like we did last year. You yeah. Know? <laughs> which which could happen. You never know. Yeah. Um, For me, I think that, uh, you know, I think Super Collider got a bad rap. Uh, people were like, oh, it's Risk all over and all this bullshit. And no, it's no. the fucking last thing from Risk that you could ever, <laughs> right. you know, it didn't grab me, you know, but it didn't suck. And I just didn't, you know, whatever. That's cool. <clears throat> and and that's not their fault. Maybe it's my fault or something. Like like I've said, you know, sometimes stuff grabs you, sometimes it doesn't. Their album 13, I loved. I thought that was badass. So when, you, when you've loved a band for 25, 30 years and, you know, they've put out countless albums, you know, you, you might not like all of them. So uh, I just kind of wasn't sure what I'd get with this one. And this one is definitely one that grabbed me. Uh, just like you said, you really get that sense of, you know, that classic sense of, you know, the harkens back to the rust and peace and the, you know, the countdown. But it, it's not like, it, it's not rehashing anything. So it's just, it's just these guys doing what they know they can do the best, which is just good heavy metal good thrash metal um and so th this is just a, a a bright spot in their catalog and that doesn't happen with bands a lot once you get up to you know doing it for 30 years you know so sometimes bands just you know they put out something but really you know it's all about their their classics well i mean this Megadeth, they could go do this whole album and I would be happy. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even need to hear the old stuff. You can't really say that about a lot of them. So, right. I mean, it's just uh, so many. Fatal Illusion, uh, Post-American World, I think is a great track. The Emperor is uh, just kind of this stompy fucking... It's just a cool track. I mean, it's just... Uh, it was what I was hoping they'd do, and they did it, and uh, I'm really happy, really happy that uh, this one turned out good. Yeah, that song, uh, Poisonous Shadows, Yeah, has a real, uh, think how to say this, it has a real, uh, it's not like a ballad, you know, like some of their if you would call Megadeth having a ballad like a Tula Moan or whatever, you know? Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. But it's like, the way he sings it is almost in that style. But the music under him is like fast as hell. Yeah. Which I thought was really, really cool. Because yeah. you don't hear that a lot. Like it was, you know, it was a standard kind of Megadeth, just like fast riff and blasting drums. And then he's singing like, you know, in this real medium pace. Yeah. And it was just really cool. And I, I heard him on Sirius yesterday or the day before talking about this track and talking about how they, uh, you know, that he really liked what Kiko and Chris did with, uh, he said the way they both play reminds him of 
like Gar and Chris Poland because it was they have like a jazzy influence to him. Yeah. And that's just something he's always loved or something. I mean, I don't know. I didn't I didn't get that from it, but I don't <laughs> I don't listen to metal like looking for jazz, you know, because I don't hear things that way. <laughs> but, you know, anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. But like you said, the whole uh I've well, I've read a lot of I've read a lot of stuff about this, and for the most part, the reviews seem to be great. Everybody's loving it. Yeah, the, everything's and, positive, and that's got to be great for Megadeth, especially after Super Collider, like you said, which wasn't all negative, but it was way more negative than positive. And I was one of the few people that really liked Super yeah, Collider. You, you dug it. Yeah, there was like a couple tracks I didn't care for, but with me, Super Collider was just more. It leaned way more hard rock than it did in metal. Yeah. Like, for the most part, the songs like the title track and Forget to Remember, and, you know, I can't think what I was off the top of my head, but they just, it just had that vibe to it, and it wasn't a bad thing, but I understand why people didn't like it because of that. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a couple people say this is their best album since Euthanasia. Really? Which is not true. Yes. Because Cryptic Writings is a masterpiece. Yeah, uh, that is a, that was one of their, uh, you know, at the time, it's kind of what, it's, it just kind of goes into what I said earlier about, you know, a lot of these bands, they kind of just, they rest on whatever they did from 1992 and back. And uh, you thought, if you thought Megadeth was going to do that, no, they didn't. Right. They came back with Cryptic Writings and just blew it out of the water and you had fast thrashy stuff on that you had hard rock stuff on that i mean you know you can just peel songs off of dave mustaine i mean it's just it's amazing what this guy can do and you know you know people say he's cocky and he's an asshole or you know he's saying this or he's saying that well he can back a lot of it up because I mean, just the the things that the songs that come out of that guy's head is just insane. And whether it's dystopia or cryptic writings, you know, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, like thinking of that back then, what's your what's your favorite album after Euthanasia? Is it Cryptic Writings or is it Thirteen? Oh well, it'd be Cryptic Writings. Okay. I, I love Thirteen. Don't get me wrong, but it would be Cryptic. So writings after Cryptic for sure. Writings is. 13 you think they're best up until now i mean before dystopia because i mean like the world needs a hero i thought was great and i mean i like stuff off of every album yeah you know united abominations yeah and i love like gun drugs and money and 44 minutes was amazing just yeah it was you know i i don't know if this has anything to do i mean i would hope it i would think it is but you know uh it just seemed when when dave elson wasn't there there's just a little bit of a lull in the albums, you know. I mean, I know that I saw those tours. I know you did, and they were great shows. Um, but I, just something didn't seem, something seemed off. It, it, no, nothing sucked, don't get me wrong. Hey, there was a member of White Lion there. What's not to love? Yeah, well, there you go. There's, there was... Uh, One third of Pride and Glory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean... I'm just talking about James Lomenzo. There you, don't you go. Okay. And uh, it's just, uh, it's not, it wasn't a bad thing, but I just, 
it just seems like everything was just a bit better when the two Daves were together. And, uh, you know, I think that with all the craziness, craziness, excuse me, of the 90s and after Risk, they got back to just doing straight up metal with The World Needs a Hero. But, yeah, I, I would think since Cryptic Writings 13 was their best one, and this one, Dystopia, just might have uh, surpassed 13, I think. Yeah. This was just a strong, you know, and I like that Chris Adler was on it. I like that Chris Adler stood his ground and said, yes, that's something Megadeth would do. That's something my Megadeth would do. And that's not something I don't think that Megadeth should do. I think that might have really been a key factor in how good this album turned out. Yeah, it's definitely, I assume in any situation like that, good to have a fresh perspective especially someone that grew up as a fan mm-hmm. you know and just and is so revered on his instrument and in a popular band himself yeah and i assume that you know you always hear those things about dave mustaine where he's you know a, not a dictator but this is his band it's his way and this is the way it's going to be but i would assume that he took what chris adler had to say to heart because of who he is because he's in a a band that is as big as Megadeth is right now. Yeah, and we'll... You know, maybe not in the grand scheme of things, but, like, currently, Lamb of God is as big as Megadeth, no doubt. Yeah, why would you Why would you hire a guy, oh, I like what he does, I want to hire him, and then tell him what to do? Right. He, I mean, you got to tell him what to do, I guess, to an extent, but you hired him for his style and his, you know, flair. So, for... For him to, for Mustaine to trust that and look into it and look up to it was pretty cool and probably a big factor in uh, the success of this album so far. Yeah, and I, I really would think probably after just a couple of listens that I would throw it up there as the best, my favorite since Cryptic Writings. Really? Okay. Even though I've, like I said, I've liked everything short of Risk, you know, and yeah, even Risk, you know, had its moments. It well, has Breadline, which is. Practically one of the greatest hard rock songs ever written. That's right. And, you know, while we're on it, let's just fucking talk about Risk. Okay. Because, yes, okay, let's just let's just say it. Let's get it out there. It's not really the Megadeth that a lot of people were, were hoping for. And it's not, maybe it's not even Megadeth to some. And I even would agree with that in some certain ways. But when I put the CD on, I, there's songs you can't deny. The the melodies and the catchiness and the the musicianship. Uh, maybe if it was a different, you know, the band name was different or something. But you you well, had some you had some uh, really good hard rock songs on that album, and uh, you know I I still put it in every now and then. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and like you said, Breadline, Breadline is amazing. I don't care what anyone says. That is just a great hard rock song, and I'm with you. I I will uh, I, I will I will fight for that one to the teeth. Yeah, if I if Dave Mustaine walked up to me and said, "What song do you want me to play live tonight?" Oh yeah, I would say Breadline over anything that I love, even probably. Well, I might say almost honest from Cryptic Writings because <laughs> I don't think they've ever played that from what I've known, but. 
I would say yeah, bread line played within, that. At least when we saw him. I'm pretty sure that we, yeah. we've even, I mean, I don't know, but I, I tell you this it's much. It's been enough times that I'm starting to forget. So. Yeah, I tell you this much. They, I saw them at Brady Theater, you know, during all that with uh, Static X and Loudmouth. Oh, right. Were you at that show? No, I missed that. I think me and Josh went to that one. <clears throat> and they played Breadline. Oh, man. They played it, and everybody was just, like, staring at Dave, like, what the fuck is this? Nobody was moving. Everybody was just like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and then they didn't, the minute they ended it, they didn't wait for applause or probably wouldn't have been a lot of it. They didn't wait for nothing. They went right into, like, Shiwa for, you know, something crazy fast and that would get the crowd back going again. Right. But they didn't wait for any kind of response. They just, they hit breadline and then bam, they hit another one. Because I don't think the audience was having that one. <laughs> but I loved it. It was a great show. Damn. Well, I I went years and years without listening to it. And I actually, last year at one point, decided I'm going to listen to Risk. Okay. And it was kind of like that where I listened listening to it now years later. I'm more accepting to it and thinking, this okay, this isn't as bad as I built it up in my head to be. It was just one of those moments where it came out, and I'm like, this isn't Megadeth. Right? Yeah. It was kind of like, yeah. it's the exact same scenario that people have with load and reload. Yes. And, you know, I don't care what anyone says, you know, those are good albums, and if they had anybody else's name on them, you would think they were amazing albums. Yeah. You know, if Probably. that was some band called, you know, Fuck Bucket, <laughs> and... <laughs> They released this album outside of Until It Sleeps. You would think, man, this is a fucking great album. You know, bleeding me, wasting my hate. You know, uh, those are great songs. Yeah. I mean, I, sorry, not, but yeah, they were not to get off on a tangent yeah. here. But anyway, it, back it, to Megadeth. And if anybody out there starts a band called Fuck Bucket, you're gonna have to cut us in on some of that. But anyway, oh, yeah. getting back to Megadeth, just like you said. <laughs> yeah, my whole my favorite era of Megadeth like most people's well not i wouldn't say most people's because you know a lot of people it's the first two albums or something but like me it's the marty friedman era okay you know from rust and peace to cryptic writings yeah those four albums are like perfect to yeah. me you know they they all four have a different vibe and they're all four just badass from beginning to end and you know i love the first couple albums and i you know i love most everything since but like we mentioned before, I think Dystopia ranks up there with everything '97 and before. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think yeah, I really like the the more recent, uh, you know, Dave, Dave, Sean Drover, and Chris Broderick. Oh yeah. And I really thought that was gonna probably be the the one there for quite a while. Because they lasted longer than yeah. most line outside yeah, of the did. Friedman Men's lineup. Right? They did, and uh, you know, I don't know what they're gonna do with. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with drummers. So we'll see where, where this uh, version of it goes. You know, I know that when when, when Adler's not there, they've got uh, Tony Loriano from... He, we saw him We saw him play with Demu Borger. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, he played with Nile, and I think he's like their drum tech, and so he just fills in when Chris Adler's not there. Okay. So I don't know if he's going to be the guy. I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where... Uh, you know, what version, what face this lineup takes. Uh, 
but you know, I have, I have hope. I'm confident that it's going to be good. And, uh, you know, this is a band that's had many different formations and they've always seemed to, you know, have more pluses than minuses. So we'll see. And, you know, I just, I, I stand by him, you know? Yeah. Dave's just like, Mustaine's just like David Coverdale, where it's like... That's right, yeah. You know, you just expect it. It's not like, oh, shit, here they go again. It's just yeah. like, that's kind of what is you expect to happen. Oh, it's a different lineup, okay. But exactly. it's like, it's always the highest caliber musicians possible. Yeah. And they always fit, and it always sounds great, whether it be on record or whether it be live. You know, we even had Al Petrelli there for, like, one album. Yeah, yeah, we did. You know, and he was from Sabotage and later from Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and he's great. You know, yeah. so it's just like, you know, what else do you say? It's like, mm. I don't know what to say. I literally mean, what else do you say? You well, <laughs> here's a question. What's your favorite album called Dystopia? This one or Iced Earth Dystopia? <laughs> I thought of that the other day. Oh yeah, I start that. You know, because I liked Iced Earth Dystopia. That that's was a, a damn good yeah, record. That's a tough question to just like. I'd have to think about that for a bit. Talk about going off on a fucking tangent, right? We're way out there. <laughs> but that is a good question because that that is an that is an amazing album. Yes, it is. And it's interesting. So, that's a subject that's coming up more and more these days. You know, with how fucked up things are getting in this country and. Well, thankfully, more people are opening their eyes to this shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we don't. We know that uh, that John Schaefer from Iced Earth, you know, has been that way for a long time. Yes. You know, he's got a side band that is nothing but you know, shit like this. stuff like that. Sons of Liberty. Yeah. But you know, Dave Mustaine, in his own right, has always been. We've known that he's ninety percent of his lyrics are political. Mm-hmm. You know, and they've always. You know, which is is cool because that's what you think of when you think of Megadeth. Yeah. You know, so when you hear some Yahoo from some band start talking politics, you're like, eh, fuck off. But when Dave Mustaine does it, it doesn't bother me because... He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what this guy's whole music is based around. That's right. You know, so... And, and, you know, like I said, like you said, it's good that people are taking notice and, you know, call me dumb, but Hunger Games, it could fucking happen. With a lot of these blockheads in this country, it could happen. You laugh, it's just Wouldn't a movie, surprise me. Yeah. But you never know. So it's it's good that this stuff's coming up and getting conversations going because uh, you know, that, and that's what music does. That's and that's the cool thing about it. Yeah, and another random Megadeth note. Nam just finished a couple days ago, and I saw I hadn't watched the video, but I saw there's a video of uh, Sean Drover and Nick Menza playing at really? the same time. Really. I don't know what if it's a drum battle or they're playing together or what the deal was, but it just said former Megadeth members, you know, perform together. That's crazy. So go look that up. You know that would be a that would be another one of those things of if they ever got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one day, that would be like a Deep Purple thing. Oh and wow! Who do you put in there? Well, you, you know, know the you know the, the Marty Friedman Nick oh, Menza lineups going in. Yeah, definitely. But I don't know if they'd ever make it to that. You know. Yeah. It'd be a long time. Because, yeah, we got to get Maiden and Priest. That's right. In there first. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. But there's another thing. Wasn't Isn't there a band with Nick Menza and, is it Chris Poland? Yeah, and or I think... Nick uh, Menza and someone. Wasn't James Lomenzo in it for a while and he ducked out? 
That sounds right. Something crazy. Like, I don't know uh, much about it. Other, I just remember reading All that. these other dudes from Megadeth. That's crazy. Which is funny because there's already Act of Defiance, which is yeah the two guys that recently left, Broderick and Drover. Yeah. So you could have like two or three little super groups of former Megadeth members. And they could all tour together. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, I think we went off on enough mini tangents for this version of the podcast. Yes, if you haven't haven't turned it off already, bless you. (laughs) Thank you for hanging around. Well, like we said, get online at thethunderunderground.com. Look up Jason's review of Dystopia. Look up Jason's review of Dirty Crush. Find our previous 38 episodes. They're all embedded on there. You can also go straight to soundcloud.com backslash thunder-underground. Find all our episodes on there. We've got tons of these where we're just talking about music. We've got tons where we're interviewing people. Everyone from Warrant to The Obsessed, Miss May I. Um, Battle Cross. Battle Cross. Crowbar. Yeah. Frank Hannon band members. The Sword. Yes. We just kind of go all over the place. We, we've got uh, local artists, uh, Driver, Severmind, uh, Scott and Jana from Rocket Science. A couple uh, of different guys from Dead Metal Society. Yeah, yeah. Including Jason Gillardi, who was in Caroline, Caroline Spine. Spine. That's, That's right. a great one because he goes into great detail about <laughs> Caroline Spine. Which, which we're huge fans of, and you should be as well. Yeah. We uh, we got to talk to uh, Sid Falk from Over, Overkill, uh, John from Sons of Texas. Uh, so there's all kinds of stuff for all different kinds of rock and metal that you're digging. And important, most importantly, share and like and, you know, get the word out uh, because that's what it's all about, really. Yeah, and if you're from this area, from the Oklahoma area, you might have seen the band Grind around because they've been playing <clears throat> around this area for you know the past couple of years. They're a great band, and we've got them on an episode coming up here in the next week or two. That's right. We, we saw them open for Scattered Hamlet. Yes. Yeah, they were badass. Which I don't know if you mentioned them, but there's a podcast with Scattered Hamlet. Oh, there is, yes. Yes. See, it's great. It all yeah. comes back around. Yeah, and we've got an episode coming up where we just talk about Motley Crew in its entirety. That's right. And we've got our friend Josh that's going to join us on that. We figured, you know, they're coming, they're done. They came to an end, and they're a pretty, pretty big band and left a pretty big footprint on hard rock and metal. So, you know, why not have a, a all Motley Crew discussion episode? That should be fun. Yeah, we're going to base forty minutes of the episode around the Randy Castillo drum tracks. It's going to be badass. I like it. That's my favorite era of Motley Crue when Randy was on drums, New Tattoo. What Fire. about what about Karabi? No, I like New Tattoo better. Oh, okay, all right. Well, this episode definitely needs to end. Just took a nosedive. Yeah, yeah. No. Anyway, we've also got, like we said, other episodes. We've got a couple of interviews in the works. We'll be bringing you all this stuff in the next few weeks. Find us on Facebook, The Thunder Underground, all one word. We'll find us. Same thing with uh, Instagram and YouTube. And find us on Twitter and follow us there. It's T-H-N-D... Did I say that right? T-H-N-D-R-U-N-D-R ground. There you go. Right. All right. Well, I think we're done, right? I hope so. All right. Until next time, see you later. (laughs) 